0: The stage is certainly set. We've got Bethlehem, we have Joseph, we have Mary, we have the child, of course being Jesus, we have King Herod, we have the Magi, and Matthew unfolds for us what happens on this day. Well, good morning and happy anniversary. 17 years today, we moved in and had our first Saturday afternoon opening service who was here for that was anybody oh look at all these faithful people fantastic 17 years today by the way there are a number of birthdays happy birthday to lyle clark uh, jess hugestega and also in memory because we might not be here if it weren't for part of the input of brother howard cool and so it's his birthday in memory he's dancing with the angels A survey was done when people were asked, what's your favorite person to buy Christmas gifts for? Can you guess who topped the list? Children, specifically their own children. But what amazed me most of all was who came dead last on the favorite people to buy Christmas gifts for were dads. 2%. 70 percent for children i don't know about you dads but i get a little bit depressed when i hear about that we'll come back to that just in a moment this is part four of our series unto us that we've been talking that god is with us god is with us not only that that god is for us and that god is doing incredible work through us and so We're going to reflect, because of those three weeks we've just spoken into, in what, in fact, do we give back to God in light of what he has given to us. Well, good morning, everybody. If you're watching uh, via live stream or on demand through the internet or through Facebook, it's great to have you here right across our city, state, nation, and across the world these days. It's great to have you streaming in. My name is Steve. I'm the pastor here at Door of Hope alongside a great team on the ministry team who serve here. And as you can tell through our Miracle Missions offering, we get up to a lot here at Door of Hope, not just locally, not just state, nationally, but internationally. And uh, we have a real privilege to serve. And if you've just started journeying with us, Uh, we just really welcome you. It's great to have you. We um, do services specifically with you in mind. John 3.16, I think, sums up the Christmas story so well. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whosoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life." John 3, 17, For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world. For God so loved the world, he gave and saved. And so today, today, we're going to look at the details of the gifts that were given to Jesus after his birth. Anyone can kind of yell out what those three gifts were? Gold. Frankincense and myrrh. Very, very good. By the wise men known as magi. The magi. Now, not only were these gifts precious, not only were they symbolic, which we'll get into, but they were prophetic of a role in which this child Jesus would fulfill. Uh, This time of year, you start to see a, a few funny clips come across, I'm sure, your screens. And one of the clips that just recently I saw was of a young boy coming down the stairs of his home on that Christmas morning, seeing this huge gift by the tree. So excited, he ran over to this huge gift, knowing it was his, and he started to rip the paper off, and paper was going everywhere. And he starts dancing with excitement. He said, this is what I've always wanted. And then he kind of pauses and says, but what is it? But what is it? It's the same with these gifts that we're talking about this morning. The gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Wow, how I love the story, how I love to sing the carols, but what is it? What is it? Okay. Okay. I'm in fact going to burst a few bubbles here this morning, all right? So, so hang in there, hang in there with me just for a moment because there's a tension for me in this season that we're a, well, we're, we're a part of right now. And we're certainly coming into Friday. It was very busy in town, by the way, wasn't it? It was incredibly busy because there's a theology of Christmas cards and a theology of Christmas carols. Now, most people get their understanding of Christmas from those two things, from Christmas cards and also Christmas carols, not necessarily from the reading of Scripture, from the Bible. Now, these are wonderful songs, aren't they? I love Christmas carols, yeah, yeah, everyone else, yeah. But you can't necessarily take the theology for our understanding of God and the Christmas story, I mean by that, from Christmas carols, necessarily, necessarily. For example, for example, uh, mothers help me out here. Silent night, oh holy night, all is calm. Stop right there. Since when is the birth of a baby ever a silent night? (laughs) it certainly isn't silent on this Christmas night. Why? Add to, add to the confusion in the streets of Bethlehem, the census that was going around and causing disturbance at that time, add to the singing of the angels in the sky, the breaking out of loud praise. And I think, I think of all the Christmas, of, of the people of the Christmas story, The group that has the most confusion surrounding them are the ones we're about to read about. Well, in fact, we've just read about. We're going to take it apart a little bit more. And I say confusion because um, of another Christmas carol that was written in 1857. Sing this with me. We three kings of Orient are, bearing gifts we traverse afar. Now, this is a beautiful beautiful Christmas carol. However, however, the text says nothing about how many men there were. Yes, it does say three gifts. Absolutely. Let's not get that wrong. Three gifts, yes. But was it enough, if there were just three, to make Herod troubled enough? Three guys on camels, would it really have disturbed Uh, King Herod at that time. An army? Absolutely. An entourage? More than likely. Absolutely yes. And so there weren't necessarily three. They weren't in fact kings. They were king-makers, by the way, from the east of Israel. And by the way, they did not come on Christmas night. They were not a part of the manger scene. And by the time they show up, Jesus is no longer a baby. Scholars would, in fact, say that he was approaching probably the age of two. And so, when you're about to, if you haven't already, I've heard a lot of people set up their trees the nativity scenes as of, as of yesterday. Yeah, very good. In the next couple of days, when you set up, if you have already done, I'd encourage you to, in fact, move the wise men in your nativity scene to pro- approximately about six blocks away. <laughs> All right? Because that would become a little bit more accurate to the Christmas story. In fact, I think it would be more accurate to sing something like this We huge entourage, a Parthian astronomer from Iran bearing gifts we traverse. Uh, far, but that would never pass the songwriting committee, right? All right, we get we, yeah, we're getting it. Thank you. All right. So let's have a look. Let's 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 dive in here because we're gonna ask the question first of all, who are these wise men? Who are the magi? Who are they and why were they there? I think it's important because it's included in scripture. We've already discovered that they're not kings and there were not three. Um, it's answer- By the way, can I just say it's not about the what here? When it comes to theology and, you know, working this, it's not about the what, it's about the who. Okay, when we start getting in arguments and things like, uh, you know, I don't want to go into all of that. It's not about the what, it's about the, the who. Very good. And that's what really matters in conversations when we have uh, with people. Not about the what, it's about the who? Very good. And so, uh, their unique responsibility, uh, as we let's let's talk about that. It's answered in the text. I'm going to give you the answer to my message now, but I'm also going to come weave in and out a little bit. Uh, the unique responsibility, as they came and um, brought gifts to Jesus, is that they were worshippers. That they were worshippers. They were in fact king makers which you've already mentioned Um, in their culture it was their responsibility to identify kings they were middle eastern king makers known as the magi just before we go any further just a little informal poll if i could just for a moment just kind of get the feel of the room are you the kind of person who loves to give gifts who loves to get gifts? Who are the gift givers in the house? You prefer to give gifts. These are the more spiritual amongst us. Check out these hands. Fantastic. Fantastic. Oh, look at these people. Oh, love you. Who are the kind of people among us who love to Get gifts, come on, come on. Who loves, I love to get gifts, fantastic. Now, here's a message to those who love to give. How about giving to those who love to get gifts, all right? Specifically the fathers. (laughs) But imagine, imagine it's your job to find a gift for this king, the son of God. Because this is where the Magi find themselves. What are you going to get the king, this child? What do you give somebody who was given absolutely everything? And so this is what we're going to look at. We're going to look at what they gave him. And then in response, in response, and we're going to respond this morning. No one's going to be pressured to do anything. I want you to know that right from word go. What can we give to Jesus in this four weeks as of Friday? It'll be Christmas Day. Can you believe that? But in response to this four weeks that have also gone by, the Magi. Let's first of all, because there's some key players in this passage that has been read to us this morning, it's the Magi. The Magi are the men who gave the gifts. And Matthew, as we read in Matthew chapter 2, in fact, he left out any explanation about the Magi. And so we have to go back into history to find that out. Well, quite simply, what we find out as we delve back into history is they were a tribe. They were a tribe of people. In fact, they were a small group within a large group known as the Medes. They were a priestly tribe of Medes. Now, similar to the nation of Israel. Um, the nation of Israel had 12 tribes, and one of those tribes was set as apart as the priestly tribe of Levi, um, they appear uh, years and years and had a uh, significant. Let me get that out. They had a significant contribution to make in Old Testament times. However, they featured prominently in the book of Daniel. Uh, they are influenced, in fact, by the prophet Daniel, who brought in the Jewish scriptures and made predictions. Of the coming Messiah. Now, these guys, they were very advanced and highly educated of a tribe. Uh, they were elite and very, very literate. They were highly religious. Uh, they were skilled in philosophy and science. They believed that there was going to come a savior. But nobody, and this is key, nobody is appointed king unless they are affirmed by the Magi. Once again, it's their responsibility to identify kings. No one reigns without their approval. And so the words magic, magician, and even magistrate come from the word magi because of their background. Now, I do not have the time this morning to go into all of that background. So once again, i going to give you a little bit of homework and to do your homework on this yourself. There is so much involved. I do not have time to go into it all. But this particular group of Magi that we're talking about aren't so much motivated politically, are not so made much motivated militarily as they are spiritually. You see, they are coming as, what? Are they, just a quick reminder again, they're coming as worshippers. And their worship is appropriately being offered to a king as evidenced by the gifts in which they bring. And here they come. They engage enthusiastically. In by the way, it's a long, long, long journey from the Middle East. Convinced, though, that the Old Testament is the true book, but also that they could be, that this could be the true king. Now there's a problem with that because there is already a king in town. King Herod. Now, King Herod may be the ruler, but God is the over ruler. Let's talk about King Herod just in a moment. We'll get to him because he's a part of the scene here. But let's first of all do a summary of the Magi. The summary is that they are spiritual leaders. They're from a foreign land. There's something significant happened within that moment when Jesus was born. Um, They noticed the new star, there it is, the new star, um, that appeared and they set out to follow the star to where it would lead them. And so they start packing gifts, gifts that that says something ultimately about who Jesus is. And when they found Jesus, what did they do? they worshipped. Why? Because they were worshippers. Now, at some time in history, once again, I'm not going into it. It's not about the what, it's about the who. It's not about the what, it's about the who. There was a split, and some magi, they followed the ancient religious systems. uh, But these magi, these magi, they come seeking the God of Daniel, who was once the chief of their magi. Let's go to King Herod. Because King Herod plays a key role. King Herod the Great. King Herod the Great. In fact, that's what he called himself. Let's make Jerusalem great again. Let's keep moving on. Let's keep moving on. I'm not going there. I'm not going there. He was given the title. He was given the title. Check this out. Check it. Is Is this familiar to you? The King of the Jews. King Herod was given the title the king of the Jews. Yet King Herod was not Jewish. He was an Edomite, which was east of Israel. He was appointed by the Romans who ruled the world at that particular time. Herod represents Rome and himself. And in the earlier part of his career, by the way, if you look at history, you will see that he demonstrated incredible, large measure of success in what he did. Incredible success. But the later part was an outright total disaster. In fact, history would describe King Herod as cruel, paranoid and vicious. He would kill any possible rivals. In fact, he killed one of his several wives. He killed two of his eldest sons so they couldn't occupy the throne. And the list goes on once again. I don't have time to go into a little bit of homework for you this week. Let's go to Matthew chapter 2. Let's take this part just a little bit just for now. Matthew chapter 2, 12 verses. Here we go. Matthew chapter 2 before we look at the gifts. After Jesus was born, where was Jesus born? After Jesus was born in Bethlehem. He was not born in Jerusalem. He was born in Bethlehem, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem. Remember the Nativity scene photo bombers? You know, they arrived within a couple of years after he was born. And so uh, they weren't there with the shepherds, but they saw the star, and it took them a couple of years to plan to travel and to find Jesus. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem, where? In Judea. This is specific. Why? Because there are two: there is one in the north. There is one in the south, two Bethlehems. Not only that, not only that, there are 28 Bethlehems in the world at the moment. (laughs) Scripture is very, very specific. Micah chapter 5 verse 2 prophesied this for us. 700 years, 700 years before the birth of Jesus. Where were we? After Jesus was born, this could take some time, hang in there. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem, we're in Judea, six miles from Nazareth north. That's not the one. We're not going to that Bethlehem. We're going south, many miles south to Bethlehem. Uh, During the time of King Herod, now this is the historical framework Okay, the Magi, who the Magi, the spiritual leaders from the East came to Jerusalem. Jesus wasn't born in Jerusalem, born in Bethlehem, but they heard he was a king. And so they went to where kings live and where kings ruled, where kings reigned, the capital of Jerusalem, and asked, and asked, let's keep going, where is the one who has been born king of the Jews. Now, in that moment, you would think, you would think, wouldn't you, that Herod would stick his hand up in the air and say, oh, "I'm right here. I'm right here. I'm the king of the Jews. The Romans, the Romans gave me that particular title. I deserve that title." By the way, if anyone comes to you and says that I'm Jesus Christ, I don't know if it's ever happened to you. It hasn't happened to me. It has. It does happen in the world. By the way. If anyone comes to you and tells you that they are the Son of God, that they are Jesus Christ, the first thing, the first thing you should actually say to them, well, where were you born? And if they say Texas, or if they say Norwood, or Newstead or Lee, say the door's that way, Goodbye. It's very specific in Scripture where Jesus, 700 years before he... It's very specific. Bethlehem in Judea. Let me come back. Where were we? Uh, We saw him in the stars, that right? Here we go. Um, And so this is a threat to the throne of Herod. And the visitors had come to see the true king. And what's Herod's plan? It's to eliminate the threat to the throne. And so he tries to trick the Magi to giving them location. Here's his his reaction. When King Herod heard this, is this where we're up to? Good. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed, which means troubled, (laughs) which means agitated, afraid, terrified. But scripture goes on, what does it say? And all Jerusalem with him. It's amazing how leadership, how kingship has an effect on society. Very, very important when leadership, when you get leadership right over a country, a state, a nation, the world, etc. Anyway, let me come back. When Herod was troubled, trouble was coming to everybody, not just King Herod. Bloodshed, it meant suffering. Uh, It was inevitable. It was near the end of his life. And he was this insane madman driven by fear, jealousy, and revenge. Verse 4, when he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem in Judea, they replied, For this is what the prophet has written, but the Bethlehem, and so this is the quote of Micah, the prophet, chapter 5, verse 2. report to me so that I too may go and worship him. His intention, by the way, is definitely not to worship him. He's the heart of the text. He's the adoration for the competent king. Verse 9, after they had heard the king, they went on their way and the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child, not the baby, where the child was. Verse 10, when they saw the star, they were overjoyed. I don't have time to go into this, but this is what is not a smile. They were in jubilant celebration. Verse 11, on coming to the house, not the stable, not the manger, on coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother, Mary, and they, what did they do? The first thing they do, they did as they see this king, they bowed down. This was a posture that was on the ground. This was flat. This was in honor. And what did they do? Because they are worshippers, they worshipped him. Then, then, only once they'd worshipped him, then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. Please note, please note, before they gave gifts, they gave their heart. And this is key to the story Because we're about to enter that season, aren't we? Where we're going to buy this and buy that and stomp and step over everybody. But before they gave their gifts, they gave their heart, they worshipped. And then the gifts. By the way, these are not token gifts. These are not token gifts. These symbolize profound truths which say something about who this Jesus, who this child is. Gift number one, let's quickly go there. Gift number one is gold. If you're married, by the way, and you have strangers knocking at your door with gold, it's a great day. It's a great day if you get a gift at any time. You you can give gold. Do it. Do it. Why gold? By the way, gold is mentioned three hundred and eighty-five times in the Bible. It's used for jewelry, utensils, the the building of the temple, the king's crowns. Uh, It's used as a currency. It wasn't something that they quickly popped into coals or came out to get on their way. They thought this through. If he was a king, if he was the king. We bring what kings deserve. We bring the absolute best, which means we bring gold, which means it's the currency of, the, of kings. And so through bringing gold, it's acknowledging kingship, his kingship. Gift number two, frankincense. Now this is a little unusual. Let's just name it. It's just unusual. Wayne, it's not an aftershave that Frankenstein wears. No, it's not. Now, the back half of this word, of course, is incense. But here's the question. Here's the question. Who would give incense to a toddler? Hot Wheels? Lego? A truck? Whatever. But incense. Incense. Okay. What is is frankincense? Frankincense is this. It's a very particular resin from a very particular tree. It is pure, highly prized, highly sought after, but very expensive. It was imported into Israel from afar, and in fact, appears in Scripture 17 times. It literally means pure incense. And there are various gifts, such as gifts for weddings, and there was a fragrant and ointment benefits. But this was a substance used by Jewish priests, by the way in the worship of the God of Israel in the Old Testament, and it was always lit as a reminder to the senses of God's presence. You see, any time you came into the presence of the altar of incense, you would smell the frankincense and be reminded that God is actually here with me. But here's the key. Here's the key. Listen to this. Here's what we have. We have groups of priests who are from afar bringing the substance that priests used in the Jewish temple to a future priest. 13 chapters of the book of Hebrews. There's a theme of Jesus being the high priest. Gold recognizing, acknowledging Jesus as king, frankincense, recognizing him as the high priest, that God's presence is now with us through this child. And gift number three is myrrh. You've ever given or received a weird gift? <laughs> I don't have time to go into that, but uh, of these three gifts, of these three gifts, this is the most weird. In fact, I would say this is probably the most insulting to the parents. Yet, this is the most inspiring gift. Why? Because it shows us the depth of God's love for us. Its significance in ancient history, like frankincense, a resin, that came from a tree, appears 17 times in Scripture, 14 times in the Old Testament, but used as a beauty treatment, Esther chapter 2. Used as a beauty treatment, used as a perfume, used as a painkiller. But most of all, I want to say this, that it was used as an embalming oil to treat the dead. And this is what they brought to a two-year-old Jesus. Jesus imagine mary just for a moment gold (laughs) bring it on absolutely frankincense frankincense yes myrrh when did it click for mary i think there are hints in scripture once again i don't have time for i think there are three hints but i won't i don't have time for that when did it click for mary imagine mary because on the surface this was not the best gift But again, these gifts say something because what they are recognizing through the myrrh, through the myrrh, through this gift, is that this life was ultimately about leading to to a death. And they had understood that this king had come into the world in order to give his life for us. And so the purpose of the crib was the cross. We often forget that at Christmas time and there is no plan B. And so this child who they come to worship was born to die. Once again, let's wrap this up. Gold, acknowledging him as king. Frankincense, acknowledging him as the high priest and the myrrh, acknowledging his sacrifice that this child is in fact born to die. What did they do? They came in. They first of all bowed down and worshipped. And this was, these were important men. These were dignified men. These were king makers. Yet the first thing they do is come and bow in worship before the king. Why? Because they know their place, that this child was all important. Now, you may be a king maker, by the way. But when you are standing in front of the king of kings, you bow and you honor the king of kings. Now, some would say that this is the fourth gift of the Magi, the gold, the frankincense, the myrrh, and worship. I would, in fact, say this is the first gift of the Magi, where they gave their hearts before they gave the gifts. And as we approach, this is what I want for us as a church, as a community, if you're participating online this morning, listen to this. If you, as we approach, as we approach December twenty-five. Here's the question I want us to consider for these next 20, 30 days. What is it? 20 something days, 26 days. What is it? What is it that I am bringing to Jesus this Christmas before anything starts to unfold? Because we're going to get busy. Because what you bring to Christmas says everything about who we believe Jesus to be, just like the Magi. You see, unto us, unto us, a son is given god with us god for us and god through us and so these next few moments i realize parents will have to leave the room in a moment to collect their children we're running a couple of minutes late i just want to acknowledge that right from word go as the parents move out just quietly and slowly to do that we're going to create a holy moment we may have to go off air for this and that's okay but it's only 11 o'clock i don't want us to rush this i would love for at least the next 10 minutes For us to consider that question. What is it that I am bringing to Jesus this Christmas? We're in no rush. Now, once again, I say that, and you may have to rush out of this room for whatever reason. Can we just do that quietly? Because we want to set the stage here. We've got some cushions down the front for us, for those of you like. Once again, there's no pressure on anyone to do anything in these next 10 minutes. You just stay right where you are. Absolutely fine. You'll have this communion. Feel free to open that and remember the greatest sacrifice of all. Feel free to do that. You might want to come, physically move from yourself before it gets crazy. And we have this holy moment together to kneel, 60 seconds or so, just to acknowledge the King this morning before we do the gifts and we spend and we spend and we spend and we start paying it off in a month's time. (laughs) We're all in the same boat. So there's that. Stay in your seat. You might want to kneel where you are. No pressure to do that either. But let me just say this just to finish up with. These next few moments, we're going to bring our highs and our lows and our burdens, our joys, our fears, and even our anxiety. We're going to tell God that I'm bringing this to you, God, because you are my provider, that you are my comforter, you are my helper, my healer, my hope, and my peace. I bring you that loss I bring you that pain I bring you that hurt because I believe in this moment King Jesus that you are my comforter in spite of what the world says that they can offer me you I bring you my life I bring you my heart because I believe maybe for the first time right now that you are my Savior and in response to the goodness of God just like the Magi communion You might want to kneel where you are we've got cushions up the front we're going to play a song and many of you will be familiar with the song it's on the screen sit there and just soak it up parents once again you may have to leave and that's totally fine what is it that you want to bring to jesus that says everything about who he is what a powerful thing What a powerful thing it is to say that we're bringing you this because we recognize that you've already given us all that we could ever possibly imagine. So for this next seven or eight minutes, parents will have to leave. For the rest of us, let's participate and enjoy a holy moment together as we press play. And as we consider this question just for 60 seconds, we press play. And once the song's done, And the clip kind of plays. We're done. I'm not coming up anymore. Thanks for listening. Let's enjoy this holy moment together before it starts to get a little crazy.